Welcome to the Krause House mid-season, I don't know, like third of the way through the season. What we really wanted to do after the in-season tournament champions, the Lakers, spoiler alert, have won the in-season tournament. But we wanted to do a check-in with Bayesian Baller here. We're missing Flex Chapman, but we had done a season preview. Bayesian and I wanted to check in how things were going, how things were feeling. Bayesian, I'd love you to just give a quick intro who you are in the Kraus house in case people missed the episode. Man, how do they not know who Bayesian Baller is after all this time? <laughs> hey! <laughs> if you don't know, you should. No. So what's up, everyone? It's, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me, Commodore. I know Lexington is a tonight. He didn't want us to rip on his picks too hard. But we'll do that anyways. But it's great to be back. For those who don't know me, I host another podcast at Krause House called Around the Association. I also have kind of been the analytics and uh, coaching lead with Ball Hogs the past couple of years and uh, been a contributor since day one and uh, really, really enjoyed diving into the world of podcasting with Flex and Com. And so, of course, we've got to have a quick little follow up to our preseason preview podcast. And there's a, there's a lot to get into. I, I hate to admit it's it, a lot. but really pains me to admit it but once again i think second year in a row now commodore's projections were pretty spot on hey you hear that flex it's funny it's like yeah i mean we had a little discussion about my shorts and my basketball shoes at the last town hall and a lot of people were giving me props he's been dogging on me my nba picks are i mean you know, i'm feeling i'm feeling in the flow of the universe right now thank you basian pleasure yeah so let's let's get into it I, I i do feel like high level i feel like i nailed a couple things i'll say i got the very top of the stuff a little bit wrong and we'll, we'll dive into it a little bit and we don't want to necessarily rehash too much but i'd love to just like the in season tournaments behind us i'd love to get your take on what did you think of it and any observations from the tournament itself? So I think there's first like the format as it relates to the NBA and then B, kind of what did you see on the court? So I don't know if we talked about this on the preseason pod, but I was very bullish on the in-season tournament from the jump. Even when they announced it during the summer and the players were ragging out and everything, I saw Adam Silver's vision and I think it came to fruition. Like they blew it out of the water, in my opinion. I mean, I think, if the most controversial thing that came from this whole tournament was the color of the courts, then I would consider it a, a massive success. I just think it goes to show that if you put, you know, competitive professional athletes in a situation where it's one game, single elimination, winner take all, I mean, money on the line or not, I think that their, their intuition, like their just competitive spirit is going to kick in. And it really felt like March Madness in a way. Mm -hmm. And I've thought for a while, like there could be an argument to make the first round of the playoffs, maybe not single elimination, but maybe like best of three, just to have a little bit more like variability and randomness come into play, right. which is what makes like March Madness and college hoops so exciting, right? Is every year the, the unknown Cinderella from the small market could take down Goliath. And I think we saw that perfectly this year where a team like the Indiana Pacers, a young upstart team led by Tyrese Halliburton, who I'm sure we're going to get into here in a bit, came out of nowhere and made a run all the way to the finals, you know, upsetting a team like the Milwaukee Bucks in route to, you know, near championship. And so I think that's so exciting. It gives those players that would otherwise be confined to a small market like Indiana, the chance to show out on a national stage. And the Pacers are one of the most exciting teams in the league. And if you're not watching the Pacers night in and night out on League Pass, 
just like a team like Orlando or Oklahoma City, like you should. And I think the in-season tournament was the perfect opportunity for us to take note of the, the rich crop of talent that we have around the league. It's funny, the thing about the money, you know, LeBron mentioned it, like, hey, the guys are asking me, you know, how, when and how we're going to get the money. Giannis mentioned the money. And it is interesting to think of like, you know, you think these guys at the very top, like they don't need another 5,000. But when you kind of have a roster of all the guys kind of getting excited, like, hey, I, I want a half a million. It's like, it takes the top competitors. They are going to get excited to get like, I want to win this for my team anyway, you know? And so it was surprising at how motivating seemingly the money actually was, even though I thought that it probably wouldn't be. So kudos across the the, the entire operation. That Pacer game as a Bucks fan was was a tough one to watch. It really felt like, Bucks are missing something, unfortunately. But the Pacers, it was a it was a great team to lose to. Certainly, it was exciting. Like I'm excited for that that team, and, and they're certainly fun to watch. So, feels like there was wins all around. We're gonna go into a take your mulligan section. We're not gonna go through all of our picks here, but we're gonna just highlight a couple of them. What's a mulligan you want out of your season predictions from before? So, what's your first one, and then I'll go, and we'll just go back and forth. I mean. The the elephant in the room here is I was very confident that Memphis Grizzlies would be able to tread water without John Morant for the first 25 games of the season. But I will say in my defense, I don't think anybody could pr- could have predicted that they, outside of Ja, they would have missed approximately, I'm not good at math here, just some quick back of the napkin calculations. Their rosters missed approximately 387 games so far this season due to injury. And so basically, like, I had the game on the other night. Taylor Jenkins is ripping these guys in the huddle. I had to do a double take at who was in the huddle because the only guy that I recognized was John Conchar. And to the average fan, they probably don't know who the hell John Conchar is, <laughs> but... And as an avid fan who follows the league night in and night out, if I'm only recognizing John Conchar in a huddle of like six guys, that tells you all you need to know. They have been absolutely yeah. desolate by injuries. I mean, you look at, I mean, outside of Jaw, they, they're like, I don't, I don't even know what to say. They, they're starting basically their G League squad. Now, granted, I thought Taylor Jenkins would have these guys in a little bit better shape. They're sitting at six and 16 right now. My Desmond Bain breakout pick, not bad. He's averaging 25 a game on rather high efficiencies. So he has definitely taken a leap, but outside of him, I mean, it is just a cast of characters. You've got Jalen Noel is like on a 10 day. You've got the corpse (laughs) of Eric Rose still playing. You've got big body David Roddy out there playing 25 plus minutes a night that's a problem that is a problem when you're relying on the likes of Santi Aldama and Bismack Biombo, who has added 10 games into the season it's like maybe they'll turn things around and I'll be vindicated because if they do turn things around like that would you'd think that like Taylor Jenkins would then have a great case for coach of the year but you know for now, the Memphis Grizzlies was definitely a whiff on my part. Their, their points per game is actually worse than Detroit. It looks like <sighs> it's, a, it's a league worst points per game. It's tied with Portland. So yeah, rough, rough going for you. So the mulligan for you, Grizzlies. I think for me, the mulligan I'm going to take is the Suns. I, I put them at the top of the West. I had put them in the NBA Finals. It's feeling 
not so great. A lot of injuries. I'm actually been really impressed with Durant and, and some of those aspects, but the experiment, at least as it relates to being a dominant team out West is certainly making me want to have that breakfast ball for the standings. I did want to call out Flex on this. His probably his mulligan, and I'd like to hear your opinion on this, was most improved player being Cade Cunningham. What's your take? You think you think that's Flex's closest mulligan that he'd want? I mean, prob- probably. Now, in his defense, he had Anthony Edwards listed as well for breakout, but Cade Cunningham, that whole piston situation is an embarrassment to say the least they're sitting at two and 21 right now after having started the season two and one so that means they've lost 20 straight and they're on pace to win seven games this season they're on pace to go seven and what is that 75 which i think would break the old charlotte bobcats record for the worst record in league history and it's like almost mind-boggling because um, you know, it doesn't have a ton to do with Kate Cunningham, but you know, he's the leader of that team and you'd think he should be able to will them to more than two wins in 23 games, but they just like, you look at, I saw a tweet. It was the, the bottom four teams in the league a few years ago were Oklahoma city. They're now great. Orlando. They're now great. And I'm blanking on who one of the other teams was, but then it was the Pistons and the Pistons are still cellar dwellers at the bottom of the league. And it just doesn't make any sense. I think Indiana might've been one of the other teams that was in the bottom four a couple of years ago. And now they're great. So like everybody's turned it around. It's not because they haven't had chances. I mean, they have multiple top two, top three, top five picks on their roster. They just can't seem to put it together. And I don't know what's going on with Cade and Monty Williams, but that $70 million contract that they gave Monty Williams um, is something they're probably wishing Ooh. they could take back. Now. Yeah, that's, that's certainly rough. There's also the MVP pick of Tatum. I think I had Giannis, you had Jokic. Vegas has Jokic as as the favorite. Luka, I think, which surprised us, is is right there in the mix at about plus 400. And Bede's in there about plus six, 700. Shy, which I just love to see, man, plus 800 in there. He's ahead of Giannis at about plus 1,200. And then Tatum's right about plus 1,200, maybe plus 1,200, 50, something like that. Tyrese Halliburton, though, hanging around there as well, bouncing around that same range. But I want to say, though, the point that I've made, and this is a long-standing argument between Flex and I, is I just think Tatum is just, he's really young, and I'm starting to turn a little bit, but I just feel like hes he's got this situation where he's up against this really interesting crop of talented guys like Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic. Just a really tough crop to, to crack through. But of course, you know, if the Celtics can see maybe turn it on the second half of the season and dominate, and they're obviously doing really well already, maybe that starts to change. But I did want to, to give a little shout out there that Tatum is, is struggling on the MVP front as it relates to high probability of winning it. Let's yeah, move I will, to... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I will add in there real quick. I, I agree that Tatum's in a little bit of a unique situation. He's obviously the franchise cornerstone for the Celtics, and they're clearly their best player. But he has a couple things I think working against him in the MVP narrative is one, his team is so talented. It's not like he's on a mediocre team where he is like the, the guy that's carrying them. And I mean, they have so many good players between Drew Holiday and Jalen Brown and even guys like Derek White and Al Forford. They just are so talent laden on up and down that roster that it's harder for him to stand out, I think. I think, and another thing is he broke out like really early, right? He still might be young, right. like 25 years old, but just like Luca, and I think this works to Luca's disadvantage a bit too. 
it's exciting when guys pop all of a sudden and they're the new guy in the block and it kind of coincides with their team having a good season. And we're seeing that kind of with Shea this year or like a Tyrese Halliburton guys that not didn't necessarily come out of nowhere, but have definitely had breakout seasons. Tatum has pretty much been broken out since like year two or year three. And so, I mean, yeah, you look at since he was 22 years old, he's been averaging 26 or more points per game. And so it's just really tough to compound on that. If, if you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, what was going to go from 26, 27 points a game? 30, 31, 32, well, 30. Like, to your it's point, tough. Giannis was the exact opposite of that, right? It's Giannis was drafted as a raw prospect, barely deserved to be on the court. Like gets yeah. better, gets better. Like wins, you know, motion play, proof player of the year. All of a sudden the MVP consideration wins an MVP, wins a finals. It was just like, this guy's going to be, you know, like that. That momentum compounding was like so evident. So I really like that narrative. Yeah, I think I honestly think bef- uh, that Tatum might have to win a title. I think the Celtics might have to win yeah. a championship before people really start to give him the credit that he probably deserves as far as an MVP, MVP candidate. We kind of saw it in a reverse way with Jokic. Like he was the MVP, but they didn't win a championship. And he didn't get that recognition and respect until after they won the championship. I think right. it'll be a little bit of the opposite with Tatum, just because, yeah. I, again, I think their team is so good. But you, you made a great point. It's like, and I was actually talking to Flex about this today. When have we had this much talent around the league? Like, there's somebody to watch and be excited about on all 30 teams, like genuine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really. So it's just it's great. All right. We're going to move to the take your lap section. This is going to be a pick that you absolutely nailed what are you going to take your lap on Bayesian? so i'm going to take my lap i think on on two things one is i i nailed i think Jokic, and barring you know some kind of unforeseen injury he is still the the overwhelming favorite to win a third mvp the nuggets were my finals pick to come out of the west as well as my championship prediction over the celtics so i will take a bit of a victory lap on the Nuggets and Jokic being just as good as ever. But one that's a little less square, if I will, is I was adamantly a denier of the Phoenix Suns. And I will stick by that. And currently they're in the nine seed out West, tied with a few teams. They're supposed to get Bradley Beal back tonight and finally be at full strength. But I don't think it's going to make a difference. Uh, I think there's way too much overlapping talent on this team. I don't think they play enough defense. I think there are some glaring holes in terms of depth and front court. Uh, prowess on this roster and so i will stick with my prediction from last time which i think got a few oohs and ahs from the peanut gallery but i don't <laughs> think the suns will make it out of the second round so i think yeah, they'll I mean, lose the conference semis if not the first round yeah you're 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 taking your lap i think is is absolutely fair on that front and yeah i certainly didn't foresee that coming obviously and uh, it's certain certainly seeming to pan out the Jokic thing yeah, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice had we been able to sort of like take some, maybe we should have taken the odds and then like sort of bet, you know, X amount of, of dollars or points into each of them and then see what our current balance is and sort of predictive mark. So your, your Jokic one, it's like, yep, yeah, like take your lap. But, you know, you, you put you put 10 units on basically a sure thing. So, you know, how do we penalize that? Yeah. But we'll take, all right, so my lap, I'm going to take the Oklahoma City Thunder I predicted them at fourth in the end of the season. They're second right now. I think they certainly might end fourth, but I think that that take and putting them up there really in the elite class out West 
was the piece. And I know that Flex was making fun of me that that was sort of the, the level down, like the Reddit take. But man, I put them up high. They're performing in a well. I actually think they're underperforming compared to, I think they've been some missed, lost some close games that easily could have won. So I, I'll take the Thunder. And the other one is the Magic. And I didn't expect the Magic to be second in, in East. And I don't think that will hold. But putting together a competitive season, I did technically have them at eight different times during my standings. I think I've had them as high as like fifth to eighth range. It's really hard in that in that range and out eight east because a game or two really swings you swings you. But I think calling those teams as like teams to watch, have fun with, and be excited. That's where I want to take my lap. And kudos to Flex. He had called for the most improved player, Franz Wagner of the Orlando Magic. He's he's just a treat to watch, man. I, I I if I don't catch a magic game live, I tend to watch them on the recap the next day. And he's just he's just great. He's a great player. It's just and I think you know Flex really nailed that one. What's been your take on the Orlando Magic and, and Franz Wagner? They're they're for real. Um and yeah, we we touched on it quite a bit on the the preview pod, but outside of Oklahoma City, maybe one other team last year, they had the biggest year over year improvement in terms of wins i think they went from 24 to 34 wins last year and they're on pace for over 50 if my math checks out right now and so i think they're for real i think they're a really exciting young team and the guy that i've been like pleasantly surprised with is a guy like jalen suggs too he was a guy yeah i was kind of out on around the draft i thought he was going to be like another Michael Kidd Gilchrist type cut from that mold where basically his only NBA ready skill coming out was like that he's competitive and that he's a winner. Whereas like he couldn't shoot. He was kind of a tweener. He's undersized. And like, what's he really going to hang his hat on the NBA? And he's really proven me wrong this year. He started all 21 games. He's shooting a respectable, what is he? 46 from the field, 37 from beyond the arc and 82 from the line. So that's really good shooting percentages. And he's kind of really filled in seamlessly for Markel Fultz while Markel Fultz has been out for most of the season. And so it's guys like that. Also like Mo Wagner, Cole Anthony, shout out to those guys. Also, he hasn't played a ton, but Jonathan Isaac, just having him back, what do they call him? The minister of defense. He is a genuine like <laughs> defense player of the year type player when he is healthy in terms of his rim protection and his versatility at seven plus feet tall. So um, I would really hope that the, I would like to see the magic stay in that top four, top five out East and hopefully get a, a home playoff series come. Yeah. And it feels like they have assets and cap room enough to go get a superstar if they needed it. You know, there, there's a world here where they package a couple of those guys up. They have you know, a draft pick or something like that. They have some salary cap and, all of a sudden the magic land, you know, James Harden's a terrible example, but like, you know, a player of that caliber that's disgruntled and wants to, you know, it's like, man, like you could just, you could imagine a world where they get one more piece like that who unlocks that team to the, you know, the championship contender level. Certainly an exciting squad. A hundred percent. I mean, uh, you look at yeah. their, their payroll real quick and their biggest guaranteed contract beyond this year is 11 Point nine million to Wendell Carter Jr. Wow. They've got so much flexibility. And if you want to feel old, let me let me share something with you. So if you want to feel old, uh the Orlando Magic only have one player 
that was born after, or born before. Yeah, wow. Joe Ingalls. That's how young they are. Oh, they're all, jo yeah. There's Joe Ingalls. They're all like 22, and they're just like, they're not even playing some of their first round picks from the last couple of years. Jet Howard, Caleb Houston. I mean, they've got guys waiting in the wings. So they're, they're a team I'm really going to be bullish on over the next three or four years. Yeah, they're, they're a fun one. Let's touch in on Rookie of the Year. We don't have to make this one a long one, but I'm, I'm feeling good about my Chet pick. There was a moment there in those first couple games of the season where it was like Wemby, 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 like, oh, my God, this guy's taking over the league. That's really dialed back. Chet has had some game winners. He's had some little, you know, he's gone viral here and there. Like, I'm feeling good about my Chet pick. What's your quick weigh in on the Rookie of the Year? You nailed it. I mean, you, you, you nailed Chet. And he actually had overtaken Wemby for the last few weeks in terms of rookie of the year odds. It looks like now it's on some, some books have it like even like neck and neck. Now I think it's Chet, And I think, I think part of it is the Spurs just aren't ready to contend. I mean, we talked about the Pistons having lost 20 straight, the Spurs have lost 17 straight. They're three and 19 dead last in the West by a decent margin behind Portland. Chet is contributing. Meanwhile, on a Thunder team that's second in the West. And they're just, like you said, they're, they're outperforming every expectation we possibly could have had. And those expectations were already pretty high. He's had some major big time moments. He had the, the buzzer beater in Golden State to force overtime, which they eventually came back and won a few weeks ago. He plays like Bill Simmons always says he loves guys that have that like FU edge to them. And he's one of those guys that definitely has that. And so you nailed it. I mean, right now, Chet would be my rookie of the year. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad to see it. I mean, Wemby's great too. It's, it's, it's like, I think Flex had made it. He was more in the narrative camp and it's certainly a tough narrative, but it's, it's fun to see these two guys go at it. It's certainly a fun rivalry. I wanted to do a brief deep dive section and I wanted to just do a couple minutes on Milwaukee. A lot of people really excited about them after getting Damian Lillard. It's been a shaky integration. I've watched almost every Bucks game. Or if I haven't watched it live, I've watched, you know, the recap. And there's like, I, there's some, some challenges and problems, I think, with Adrian Griffin. He had a pretty rough defensive scheme in the first couple of games that they changed pretty rapidly back to Bud's original scheme. Malik Beasley has been an amazing, shining excitement, piece of excitement there. But, you know, the pick and roll stuff that Dame and Giannis have has been a little shaky. Middleton hasn't looked himself. He's been on minute restrictions. He hasn't, there's some crazy stat where he hadn't like assisted Dame in like the last 25 assists or something like that of, of, of the playing together. There seems to be some light, slight animosity between Middleton and Dame, or maybe Middleton's kind of losing a, losing a step and there's maybe animosity from Dame towards, but there's these, the biggest thing that has been bothering me as a Bucks fan watching these games is we get into these situations where we explicitly brought Dame in to fix closing out games, which he's had a couple opportunities to do. Or like, you know, well, let's say we've missed the last five shots. We just need a bucket. The lead's coming down. We're playing a team like Chicago, which shouldn't be close. And Giannis decides to sometimes like demand the ball, try to go ISO, gets double, triple team, turns it over, gets a charge. And it's like, that's, that's the point of giving, to getting Dame to that team is you give Dame the ball, let him run point, go have a ball, go hit that ball screen, go run some action with Chris Middleton. Like, get Giannis heavily involved into whatever action's going to go. It doesn't need to be a Dame, you know, 35-footer trying to hit a Dame time situation, and maybe that's some of the animosity. But it's just been disappointing that there's just all these right pieces, but I kind of keep sitting there watching games being like, 
we got to find a way to trade Middleton or we got to do something with Brooke Lopez or like this, this window is, is short and something's not working and something material has to change. You think I'm freaking out as a Bucks fan? What's been your take on the Milwaukee Bucks from your vantage? I don't think you're freaking out. I think it's totally justified. And I think it starts with their defense. So they're giving up 117 points per 100 possessions. That is the worst defensive rating in the history of the Milwaukee Bucks franchise. It's five points per game worse than, or five points per 100 rather, worse than their last three seasons. It is 14 points per game per 100 worse than their 2020 defense. I think like, like Dame, we, we get, you know, like these guys that are on these other teams that are putting up gaudy offensive numbers, we get infatuated with them, but we forget that, like, we forget that some of them only play one side of the ball. Like Luca can be another one of those guys. Like a Bradley Beal can be another one of those guys. Um, And then when we see them on a contender where they actually have to play defense and fit into a system, it's like, Maybe it, it it's not as great as we thought it was going to be. But I remember doing a pod last year, too, where we went back and we tracked, like, how important defense is to winning a championship. And it was something crazy, like, 19 of the past 20 NBA champions had a top 10 defense in terms of efficiency. And the only one that didn't was, like, the 2001 Kobe and Shaq Lakers. They were, like, 15th or something. And so this yeah. Milwaukee team ranks 23rd, 24th in defensive efficiency this year. So they're well outside the top 10. And so unless something, unless they write the ship there and they start guarding some people, I think it's going to be tough for them to be true contenders. I don't know. And you're also, I mean, your spot on Middleton is really kind of a shell of himself. He's obviously accumulated a lot of injuries over the course of the past few years, but he's averaging just 12 points a game. And, uh, you know, shooting just 36% from three on three and a half attempts per game. That's a far cry from where he was a couple of years ago when they were, you know, competing and winning championships. So they're going to have to rely a lot more on their depth, which as we talked about in the preview pod, they don't really have a lot of. No, it's, it's as a fan, I'm sitting there like seeing AJ Green get minutes and I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. AJ Green should get a lot of run and it, he's actually shooting lights out, but it just goes to show. I mean, it's like, just need, I mean, Malik Beasley has been an excellent shooter as well. And obviously we've been with Crowder and I think campaign's been shooting really well. So, I mean, the Bucks are actually kind of surprisingly shooting well. Pattinson's shooting below average. But uh, yeah, when I'm seeing AJ Green get in and I'm, I'm getting hyped, that's probably a little bit of a red flag. Would you change your prediction in the East then? Or would you, are you still taking the Bucks? Are you still riding with until the wheels fall off? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if this were more, I, I'm leaving room for them to figure it out. Perhaps a coaching change, perhaps trade you know and so that does make me optimistic i'm not ready to give up on them yet i do think just having dame and Giannis puts them in a position to materially compete but you know if my life were on the line i think it certainly would feel a lot more comfortable having boston in there but the east is kind of a mess and so i don't think it's crazy to imagine a you know a boston getting knocked out by a new york or something like that and Milwaukee getting paired up and, and getting to the NBA finals and just matching up really, really well with the Western team. So I do think there is a little bit of saving grace that I do think the Bucks can beat a lot of teams matched up out of the West. And the East is such a mess that I feel, I don't feel terrified, but I do think the smart money's in Boston right now, as much as that pains me to say. Let's do a deep dive on Minnesota. 
Take us through what you're seeing in Minnesota. Is this is this a real team? Is this something that you expect to see at the standings out west at the end? What are you seeing from Minnesota? Man, this is kind of a surprise. Just because everybody, including myself, was kind of like ready to call that Rudy Gobert trade a complete disaster considering all they gave up and considering they already had a super max center in Carl Anthony Towns. It just, I mean... It goes to show like that they just have a lot of talent. I mean, Anthony Edwards, I think he was a popular pick, of course, for, you know, if you want to consider him already having broken out or being most improved, like you could, I think that was the kind of the argument that I made, but he's taken even another step and it started over the summer. He's really asserted himself. He is that guy like that. That is his team. And he, that is no longer Carl Anthony Towns' team. And the Timberwolves, they're, they have the number two defense in the league. And there are these stories about Rudy Gobert going into like a 64-hour darkness retreat, a la like Aaron Rodgers over the offseason. And he like just sat there and meditated and envisioned like what this Minnesota defense would be like if they like totally stripped it down and rebuilt it from the ground up. And apparently they have. And that darkness retreat has worked. And Chris Finch, I mean, he's up there for like coach of the year he's in like the top five or six but i'm not so sure he shouldn't be like the favorite what minnesota has done i don't think they've won a playoff series since kevin garnett circa 2004 ish so considering that they are the number one team in the western conference it looks like they're probably going to get a playoff win under their belt this spring and I don't know if I'm quite ready to call them a championship contender, but they're definitely for real. Yeah, I mean, they look great. And uh, I think the coach of the year pick is that certainly like, I mean, I do feel like the Oklahoma City Thunder, Mark Dagnalt, I don't know how to say his last name. Those two seem like the guys in the running uh, to me, but they seem legit. It's like you said, it's kind of like, I feel like it's, I'm wanting to not give them as much credit because of my previous bias of watching them come into the season. So I'm like a little nervous to like be like, yes, this team is actually legitimate, but they look absolutely great. Let's move to double down on a shaky take. What are you doubling down on, Bayesian? Ooh, on a shaky take? Why don't you go first? Let me hear what you've got. Yeah, it's a little bit of a cop-out answer, and I can do two to help balance the cop-out, but I'm doubling down on Chet. I think he's the rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be more and more obvious as the season goes on. And then because I'm a Bucks fan, I got to double down on the shaky take that the Milwaukee Bucks win the NBA Finals in six games. I'm a believer. Dame time, Giannis time, freak time. Now I'm going to double down on that very, very shaky take. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Let's see. I will double down on the New York Knicks. Uh, my bold take during the preview episode was that they were going to be a top three seed in the Eastern Conference. Currently, they sit in the sixth spot, but they're just two and a half games out of the three spot. And considering they have also one of the top defenses in the league, I think that they're a team I'm going to bet on down the stretch. I think a team like Indiana might fade a little bit because talk about a team that doesn't play defense. They score a lot of points and they've been terrific. And we've yet to talk about Tyrese Halliburton, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if the Pacers fade a bit. Wouldn't be surprised if the magic fade a bit, like we previously discussed. 
And then that leaves the Celtics, Bucks, Knicks, and Sixers. And the Sixers are putting a lot of minutes on guys like Tyrese Maxey, and they're one Joel Embiid twisted ankle away from potentially being in trouble. So I'm still not going to totally write off the Knicks not being in that three spot. So I'll double down on the Knicks down the stretch here. And I think they're going to they're gonna have a home playoff series come, come April. Yeah, I like that pick. I mean, they're a team that certainly, it feels to your point, just they're hanging around. They have the talent. They seem to be at high. They seem to get really energized for big games too. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's a metric I could find for that, but they certainly, when they're, you know, Milwaukee comes to town or they're in the tournament, the NBA tournament, like they just, they're ready to play. They want to play. They're ready to play. They're not that far back. So I really like that pick as well. And the East is, is fairly open. So I, I like that. I do think like one team that I just wanted to highlight is like Sacramento, you know, kind of hanging the fifth out West 13 and eight. Hasn't been a lot of noise, obviously, with them. There's there hasn't been the beam team. Their point differential has only been zero point three. So you do have to imagine there's a little bit of luck in there that their 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 record is as good as it it really is. But uh, that's another team that's kind of slightly surprised me out west that I had a little bit lower this season. I didn't quite have as much faith as I did at them uh, last year. But any other closing comments on any of your picks, flex picks, my picks, any bold predictions that you want to make? as we exit our sort of post-NBA in-season tournament episode. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Golden State Warriors? Because I see here in our episode notes, you had them uh, in the fifth seed is where you had them projected out west. And currently they're in the, what is that, the the 10? The 10 spot? The 11 spot? They're two games under five hundred. What do you think is going on with the Warriors? And do you think they're going to be able to turn it around at all? No, I think the Warriors ship has sailed. I was very, very on the fence. That was probably one of the most moving around ones that I had. But I just, you know, I think Steph is probably the most talented basketball player of all time. And I use that word very specifically, mm-hmm. sort of like his, the talent that he, ex- like he was born with not a lot of physical skills as it relates to jumping, strength, you know, dunking, you know, all the, like the LeBron, born with the anti-LeBron package. And I think what he was able to do was to max out what he was born with to the highest delta of any human that I've ever seen before. And so I think he's an elite, elite player. I'm so excited and, and, and happy that we've gotten to watch him, you know, be a big part of the league. But I am not a big fan at all of Clay. Not a big fan of Draymond. I'm on the fence about Wiggins. I'm not a huge fan of Kerr. I just think that Steph was this amazing linchpin that was able, his talent was rising everyone else around him. And, and I think as they all age, specifically Clay and Draymond's games are just deteriorating really, really fast. And I just, I just think this is the reality of, of Steph getting old and, and, and not being able to use his gravity and use his exceptional ball handling and passing ability to just kind of make that whole orchestra work. And so I think the, the Warriors chapter is over. I'm impressed that they snuck one out, you know, a couple of years ago over Boston. But, you know, I, I think this is the beginning of the end. Yeah, I think it's tough to say. Um, I think a lot of people would agree with you, Bob Myers included. Uh, I think he saw the writing on the wall. Shout out, Bob. General manager, former general manager of the Warriors for all those titles. I think he saw the writing on the wall that, you know, all these guys like Clay. And I guess Draymond just got extended, but Clay is going to be the big one because right now 
he's not worth an extension. He's averaging under just under 16 points a game, shooting just above 40% from the field and 35% from three. I mean, he is really a shell of his former self, or at least what he's been over the past, you know, better part of the last decade. And I think they're going to have a really tough decision to make whether or not to keep him this year, or otherwise he's going to have to swallow a pretty difficult pill because he's not going to be worth another max contract. That's for sure. And you look elsewhere up and down that roster, Andrew Wiggins is having a really down year shooting 27% from beyond the arc. Chris Paul is, you know, playing like a typical 38 year old. They just, they don't have as much offense as they once did. I mean, Steph is averaging just under 30 a game and Clay is second on the team at nearly half that. So I don't know if there's a bigger disparity across the league between a team's numbers one and two score. I don't know. Steph just can't do it all. I mean, he's arguably as good as ever. But yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if they if they sneak into the playoffs, but I would be surprised if they if they went around or make any noise, that's for sure. Yeah. It's I mean, look, I mean, I uh, yeah. I just I mean, I think maybe I'm I'm uh, this is an this is an old head talking, you know, the uncle talking, but it's like I just remember when Steph was that, you know, league pass darling team, right? And it must have been like 2013 or something like that, right? It's like yeah. on the group text, it was like, guys, you got to watch the Warriors every night. You know, it's kind of right when Steve Kerr took over and, you know, Mark Jackson kind of last year is there. It's like this Steph Curry guy is out of control, right? And it felt like all the hoop heads are starting to t- pay attention to them. And then yeah. watching him and Clay just develop that and Draymond and sort of being that underdog and being able to develop into what they did was so amazing to watch. But, you know, I think about that in pickup runs, right? You you have a collection of guys where like one one stud guy for whatever reason finds his his three goons that aren't that great, but he for whatever reason they just kill everyone. And yeah. you're yeah. just like, how does this team keep winning, right? But you just know they might rattle three, four games in a row, but you know they're not staying there the rest of the day. Like you just know. You know those couple guys that are just like not exactly at that level are going to stop, you know, start make, missing their threes. You yep. know, and the guy that, you know, doesn't look like he's got weird form and he's, he's drilling three, three threes a game. It's just like, you know, the magic's going to run out. But sometimes that squad, that guy, that one guy, for whatever reason, they, they just gel at another level. And it's just, you just, they run the whole day and you're just like, there's no way they do that again next week. And then somehow they all team up again and you see it again. And you just, so that's what I feel like the Warriors are is just that that collection of guys and Steph is that is that dude that just unlocked it all. Um, yeah. But I, I think the magic's run out. What have been some other, I guess, like just just running down the the standings or list of teams? Like anything else that stood out to you? I have a few maybe to jumpstart us. Like one, like Miami Heat, Jaime Hawkins Jr. Now I placed a wager on him to be first team All NBA. It was like twenty two to one or something crazy. He's exceeded my expectations. He was a guy that I thought was like Jimmy Butler light coming out of college, coming out of UCLA. I got to see him play a ton. He is not disappointed. He's been electric down there on South Beach, and they love them some Jaime Jaquez. Let's see. Another one has been the Houston Rockets. I think I may have dropped the nugget in there on the preview pod that I thought Ime Udoka could have been in the coach of the year consideration. He's like whipped that group into shape. They're the number one defensive team. in the league, and they're currently sitting at the seven spot out west. I don't bet on the NBA often, but I've been sneaking in an occasional bet on the Rockets and the Thunder and the Magic. 
and those three teams, I feel like you just consistently can make money because they just they don't get the respect they deserve. But the Rockets are good. I mean, they're only eleven to nine, but they can they can win just about any game, any any night. Like they have oh. some really interesting talent. It's a very interesting squad. Yeah, a lot of people made fun of them for bringing in like Fred Van Fleet and Dylan Brooks. Those guys have provided you know, uh, guilty as charged. Yeah. They provided solid veteran consistency. Another group is, oh, actually not a group, but player. So Portland Trailblazers. I was famously out on Scoot Henderson before it began. I've been seeing a lot of posts on Reddit nowadays saying, hey, did we overestimate Scoot's athleticism and hype coming out of the G League? I think it's a problem when I, I wish I had his stats handy. He shot like 27% in the G league from beyond the arc over the course of two seasons, he is not quite the same athlete or he doesn't quite have the same athletic advantage when he's on the floor with NBA players too. He's a little bit undersized. I said it before and I'll say it again. He is closer to Eric Bledsoe than he is to the guys he was compared to coming out of which are the Russell Westbrooks of the world. Guys like that. He is Eric Bledsoe. That is who he is. He is off the bench he got sent down to the g league for a couple nights he cannot shoot whatsoever he's very turnover prone and i don't know if you've seen some of these clips on you know twitter and tiktok and whatnot but he gets like duped really easily on defense like there are clips of guys just like doing like seemingly you know i'm, I'm sitting on my couch seemingly simple ball fakes and he not only bites he like totally turns around like a dog, like as if the guy like threw the pass to the corner and his, right, his, right. the guy also just goes right by him. And he's kind of been a train wreck so far. And I hate to say I, I, I was right, but you know, I'll, I'll take that win. Has there been anybody else that has kind of surprised you or any other rookies or anybody that stood out? Yeah. Send gun, the Rockets. I am just, I'm a yeah. fan, man. Yeah, I oh Shengun, you say that name? Flex is gonna roast me now. Shengun, Shengun. <laughs> I so part of my beef with the Rockets was I was imagining Fred Van Fleet and and, and Dylan Brooks kind of and then battling with you know Jalen Green and Jabari. Like I just I didn't I didn't expect Shengun to just step up and be this baby Jokic at age twenty one. I'm very bullish on this guy. I think he has touch. He's got size. He seems to be a great passer. There's a great montage that went viral before the Nuggets game of just like all this Jokic similarity. Yes. There's a real shot that, you know, if there was a futures market that I could take an MVP pick, not this season here, but over the next, you know, five-ish years. I love this guy. I mean, I think that that's the piece that perhaps I just didn't even consider. I didn't understand. I didn't even quite frankly know that un has completely unlocked the Rockets, in, in my opinion. When you have that duality and you're not relying on a Dylan Brooks, you know, bringing the ball up and doing something crazy or and you actually can run like a balanced offense with a guy like that. Wow. Like, I just, I, I'm excited for that kid and I hope he, he does great things. He's a delight to watch. That's a great call out on Shangoon. Do you know who he was originally drafted by, but traded on draft night? And I can't believe no. they did this I said. He was drafted by Oklahoma City. Imagine, oh. imagine Shangun on this Thunder team. They, I remember, unbelievable, vividly. He was drafted with 
what was it? The, the 16th overall pick and immediately flipped to Houston for like two future firsts who I'm trying to figure out who those ended up turning into right now. But yeah, it's like he was one of those guys that I remember Kevin Pelton, who's a really good writer, uh, a data heavy, like analytics uh, leaning author on ESPN. And he puts out um, these really well-written pieces every year around draft time. Uh, where he like runs all his models and things like that. And he ranks the players based on analytics and the, by far and away, the best projected player from that 21 draft was Shangun by the numbers. And he fell all the way to 16th. And uh, so, yeah, he has been, like you said, baby Jokic. So that's a, that's a great call out with Shangun. Yeah. Excited for, for him and the squad. So we'll see, we'll see it happens out West, but thank you for hopping in. We'll probably ma- try to do a mid season check-in. I don't know where exactly we're here. We're, I think we're somewhere around a third of the way. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. the all-star break. So maybe we'll do an all-star break check-in. We'll flex it on the show as well. We'll get to update some of these, these takes, but thank you for joining. Thank you for everyone for listening. Wagbat, be well and uh, enjoy the holidays. Thanks for having me, Commodore. Wagbat, everyone.